Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for a brand new episode and interview with my girl, Kendra. Now, I just want to say how much I love the medium of podcasting to talk about beauty. Of course, I love it because I do it every week. There's just something about listening to a conversation between two people that just does so much for me. Now, I love video tutorials. I love, you know, an Instagram profile. I love TikTok. And actually, TikTok is how I discovered Kendra. She was just speaking so much truth and honesty. She was creating these TikTok videos about relationships and finding yourself. But then like the beauty looks were so on point. There was just gorgeousness spilling from the camera. And I was like, I just, I need to know more about this woman and who she is. So I'm going to give you guys a brief bio and background about Kendra if you're not familiar. Kendra is a writer, content creator, and model who's centering her work around healing, radical self-acceptance, and spirituality. Now, her writing is amazing. She has a newsletter called Come Home, which I will link to in the show notes. She's just a very interesting person. And one of the things that we talk a lot about in this interview is what it's like growing up with a narcissist or how to recognize narcissistic tendencies and someone else in a relationship. And I've been thinking about just like difficult relationships with mothers specifically and how that impacts your sense of self and your own relationship with beauty. And I've been thinking about it. So there was this conversation and actually Kendra didn't say which parent was the one that she experienced this with but I've been watching P-Valley. As you guys know, I love P-Valley on Stars. That's like my favorite show right now. It's set in a Mississippi strip club. Highly recommend. It's a very immersive show that will just bring you into the drama of this world in this fictional town called Chekalisa. But one of the main, like the best dancer at the pink, which is the strip club they all work at, is Mercedes. And she is a really difficult and complicated relationship with her mother, Patrice Woodbine, who I just, ugh, if you watch the show, you know, she is just like a real and true villain. But it's been interesting for me to even see that on television because I don't think we often see complicated relationships between mothers and daughters portrayed in the media. So back to my macro point, I think podcasting is just a medium that I appreciate so much because it's given me so much in terms of getting to hear stories from other people, getting other perspectives perspectives, and just building empathy and awareness for different circumstances and how that shapes who we are. And my whole motivation for doing Naked Beauty has always been to provide a platform for other people, for other women to share their stories. So if I can introduce you to someone new and a new thinker, I'm like super happy about that. Thank you all for your support. Let's get into my conversation with Kendra. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
I am joined by Kendra Austin. Welcome to Naked Beauty. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I have loved your content for so long. Somehow you came up on my For You page on TikTok and you were talking about self-love, self-acceptance, your personal journey. That's my and shit, yeah. I was like, and then I went to your page and then I just watched all of your videos and I was like, this woman is amazing. I'm blushing. I need to have her on my podcast. I sent you several DMs. They were all unanswered. <laughs> and then finally I was like, I'm going to be that thirsty, thirsty, so thirsty girl. I'm going to leave a comment on one of your videos and say yes. like, hey, check your DMs. And you were like, oh my gosh, no. I think I left it. You commented on one, one of my videos and I was like, yes. I've been DMing you. Mm-hmm. And then yes. we made the connection and then we were able to make it happen this week. So I'm just like very excited to have you on Naked Beauty. I know. I'm so stoked. And I'm so sorry that I had to leave you as a reply guy for so long <laughs> before making this happen. Okay. Um, it is a personality trait of mine because I am an Aquarius. So okay. it was never personal. I never saw them. Okay. But I am so excited to be here. I definitely feel the same way. As you know, I'm like obsessed with your family, obsessed with your son, obsessed with you. That's so sweet. That's um, so sweet. Yeah, 100%. So it just, it's always a dream. I feel like the best part about doing this job, which is a, a non-job, is getting to meet people that you admire on a regular basis. This is the point. This is absolutely the point. You know, I've been doing this podcast now, wow, for six years. And the best part of it is I just get to speak to women I admire about their approach to beauty and self-care. So like, right. what more could I want to do with my time? Now, you are a content creator and a model. Actually, I think your profile says curve model, which I want to get into right. yeah. what that means mm-hmm. because I'm like model, curve model, right? what's the whole thing? Also like a bit of like an activist, wouldn't you say? Right. Yeah. How do you describe yourself? Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to occupation, I always say I'm a model, writer, content creator. I think activism is like a touchy thing to take on mm. because I feel like there are huge liabilities to being an actual activist that I don't have to carry as somebody who's like not on an FBI list. That's um, so real. Yeah. And so like I kind of side eye people who I feel like take on activism, but like you speak online from the safety of your cushy home. Right. Right. You're not on the front lines like doing. That's it. right. And yeah. that's not to say that activism can exist in a safe space. Like I don't want to delineate that either. But I think that I like certainly am a loud bitch online who cares about so much. Yes. Right. I'm yes. like super earnest. I think that's the number one thing. I'm like super earnest and I'm very values forward. Yes. And I don't think there's a reason to be online if you're not going to be values forward. I love that. And I think the intention behind your content always shines through. And you have a point of view and you have something to say, which is why I've like been a fan of just consuming all that you create. Talk to me about your relationship with beauty growing up. You grew up multiple places. Right. What was your relationship with beauty like growing up? I am a woman in America, so it was fraught. (laughs) In one word, fraught, you know? But I would say it's really interesting because I was raised, like my mother is really foxy. I would use that word to describe her. Like she's like very like, I would say like almost sex forward in the way that she presents herself and is by value intentional about kind of showing up in all of who she is mm-hmm. and never really shying away from using her assets of any kind, including physicality. I love that. And I feel like that's not the norm. No, it's not. Right? I feel like she started bimbofication. And <laughs> people need to put some respect on her name. Kim Austin, shouts out to you. 
And yeah, I feel like that definitely left an imprint on me that I wasn't able to own Mm -hmm. until like now. Okay. By way of the fact that she is a thin white woman and I have always existed in a fat body as a black woman. Oh, I didn't know your mom was white. Yes, she is. She is. Interesting. We had different opportunities and being able to show up in that. And I feel like I've just now learned how to safely show up in that and not allowing other people to define that for me. Mm. But yeah, obviously growing up, I was in several predominantly white areas. And that, of course, really shapes how you view yourself because you're looking for acceptance. I feel like right now people are really anti-acceptance. I think acceptance is like the nature of human existence. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll never shy or turn away from it. That's Especially what- when you're young, right? You just want to be included exactly. in a group. You want to be invited to the sleepover. You exactly. want. I remember when I, after swimming lessons, I would put on lotion in the locker room right. and all of my like white Shocked. classmates, they were like, Shocked. what are you doing? Right. And I can remember thinking in my head like, oh, maybe I should just like not put on lotion after. Horrifying. Right, which is which like, and now they've rebranded that this very week as body slugging. Have you seen that? White Stop. people have rebranded using moisturizer as body slugging. That's right. I can't. I did see something that was like white people have discovered lotion. Someone was like doing, someone like made this video and it was like, look at my arm before and then look at my arm after. And it's like, yeah, yeah, girl, moisturization. I know. know. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, you know, like you were saying, it's like the sleepover experience is like super huge because everybody wants to do your makeup. And like, I think also like black women have a very different experience being hypersexualized with makeup Mm -hmm. in specific. And then like you want to do your hair like everybody else, but your hair just doesn't form the same way. Those experiences are super formative. I would say I have always been really anti and I feel like that was a really harmful thing to be when I was younger. Anti what? Anti everything that was conformity. Absolutely everything. Like I remember showing up, I moved from San Diego to a suburb of DC in sixth grade. So I literally started middle school in a completely new place. And I showed up in a full, like, matching Juicy Couture tracksuit and matching eyeliner, like, teal eyeliner. That's how I wanted to define myself in a yeah. place where everybody was, like, wearing Abercrombie. But to me, that's just still who I am, yeah. right? That was, like, my inner child really coming out and being, like, I, like, always am going to choose, like, quirk. And, yeah. you know, like, something that's a little bit showy and, like, definitely against the grain and makes people, like, kind of consider, like, why do you think that you deserve to own that much space? And I have always been that way. What year did you graduate high school? Um, 2012. Okay, 2012, you graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, I've got context of like the cultural landscape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I like always really, really loved makeup. Like I started wearing makeup when I was like nine, 10. And again, because I had a mother that was really into beauty as a whole, I feel like she really let me own that. I was never shamed for trying to express myself that way. And I think in particular, that was really helpful because I was always in a fat body. And people would always say like, you have such a beautiful face as a way to avoid the context of the fact that I was fat. Mm. And I felt like makeup was my expression for both better and worse in the way that like I agreed with them, right? (laughs) And I wish I hadn't, but I agreed with them. I was like, yeah, like I am going to own my face. I have a great face. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to own it. Yeah. At the same time, I just like loved the fact that I got to play in it. It was playtime for me. And I would do that with my grandmother when I would go visit her for the summers. I would just like sit at her vanity and we would play with makeup. So yeah, I, I feel like I owned that really early on. I learned how to do like a like really, really sharp flick at like 10 years old. I still haven't mastered it. 
I would wear literally nothing. Like, it was actually embarrassing when I think about it. I would wear literally nothing else. Like, no face products, no mascara, nothing. Just a flick. Wow. Huge energy. Did you feel beautiful? Did you feel like your looks were appreciated by your peers? Did you feel like you were, like, getting dates or your crushes were reciprocated? No. All of this was in a vacuum. And I think that that is, like, the experience of being certainly a Black woman and definitely a Black fat woman in predominantly white spaces, especially during school age, is like you have to found your self-esteem in something that's not what you look like or become very esteemed on your own Mm. for those things. And so I spent a lot, like there's a scene in Euphoria where they show, not Maddie, her friend, the blonde one. Sydney Sweeney. Cassie. um, Cassie. Yeah, where they show Cassie like, obsessively getting ready every morning for her boyfriend, for Nate. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a huge flashback for me because I remember waking up at 5 a.m. every morning when I was like late elementary and like middle in high school and doing that. And it wasn't for anybody else. Like it was my time. I would like turn on MTV and I would do my makeup and I would do my hair and I was like really obsessive about it. But it was just because I felt like nobody else was going to give me that time. And it's so interesting to look back on like what you did when you were younger and realize like the ways that you were protecting yourself without really knowing it. Mm. And I feel like I was emotionally protecting myself in those couple hours before the sun rose and everybody else was going to tell me that they didn't see me. I wanted to see me. That's powerful. It also speaks to the fact, like the ritual of getting ready. It's not about what you're going to. It's that time you have with yourself in the mirror and the choices that you're making. Yes. That's an experience in and of itself. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, even just like the time of physically looking at the mirror. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And taking time to see yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is something, especially as you get older, you almost forget to do. 100%. Right. Or you stop doing it. You don't realize that you've stopped doing it. Yes. And for what reasons you've stopped doing it. Yes. So yeah, I feel like that was really formative for me. So I can't say that I always felt pretty in context of other people, but I feel like in a vacuum I did. When I gave myself that space, I knew inside of my heart, I feel really beautiful. And one day I'm not going to have the echo of the opposite. Were you one of these kids that like always knew you were going to end up in New York? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just waiting for that moment. I couldn't wait to be big. I was like, I cannot wait to be an adult. I'm a Capricorn rising. That's just part of the experience. I was like, I cannot wait to be an adult. And that was true for so many other reasons, right? I was like, trauma. You know what I mean? Like the household wasn't what it needed to be. I was like, I cannot wait for this. But I think a huge part of that was just like having control over my own narrative of who I was. Yes. And I knew that soon that would come and like, I wouldn't have to like answer to something that I didn't have to be in, right? And that's why something like moving to New York was so formative for me. I remember the first day that like, it felt like really cinematic. Like the bus dropped me off in Brooklyn and I had $3 to my name like everybody else. (laughs) And I was just like, people see me. Like I can tell people, see they're no longer seeing past me. Mm. Like they did when I was like maybe in Texas, which is like obviously ultra conservative. And I went to a school that was super white, despite being in like a liberal city. Of course. Which just means, I don't know, gay people. Yeah, or like a higher percentage of a college-educated people, but that does not mean that they're like politics. That's exactly right, yeah. And we're still in Texas. Yeah. And then before that, I was in a predominantly white area. So yeah, I felt like, I was like, oh, people are seeing me. You're never necessarily prepared for what it's like for people to see you either, Mm -hmm. because in some ways it makes their opinions more challenging to sit with. 
Like when people are actually looking at you, now they have their opinion about what you're wearing and how yes. you're wearing it and versus like just not seeing what you're doing at all. And I want to get into your experience being a model too, because you have to have a very interesting relationship with your physical appearance, yeah. right? Because it's tied into your income and earning potential. So before we get to that, one of the things that you talk a lot about is like kind of healing from trauma and yes. like how to recognize signs of maybe traumatic things from your childhood and adulthood. Are you comfortable getting a little bit into kind Always. of your, okay. So let's talk about some of the trauma that maybe you like saw or experienced growing up right. and how you've had to process that now as an adult and how you then use that to help other people. Growing up, I was, or I am a survivor of narcissistic abuse and that definitely carried with me throughout adulthood. Okay, what is narcissistic abuse? abuse? Yeah, it's essentially when, like for me, I had a parent who lived in a sense of grandiosity. Everything was about the external. Mm. External image, what you do, what you wear, what you look like, what you're giving, mm -hmm. <laughs> giving, right? <laughs> then as a child, you learn that that is A, the only way to be and B, like you don't have a sense of self outside of those things. And so from there, you learn to kind of put yourself into this person's shell and then the next person's shell that they've established for you and then the next person after that. And you always feel a little bit hollow. What's an example of that? How it would manifest? I had a parent that would regularly like challenge my intelligence or like would regularly challenge what I looked like, would pick on what I look like, would pick on what I said, how I said it. You just are used to constant criticism. I have always been really, really strong-willed. And so my version of dealing with that was fighting. I was always fighting. And I didn't know how to not fight and how to be a soft person, how to be somebody that existed in receptivity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of that experience. That's interesting to imagine like your parents or a parent kind of like having this contentious relationship with you and like your thoughts or ideas yes. because most parents, like your kid says something and you're like, oh, that's great. That's right. So is this like as you were maybe getting older and had stronger opinions about the world or is this like going back to being like eight, nine years old? Oh yeah, no, I was like fighting. I was like legitimately in full blowout arguments with my parents in like elementary school. Oh, wow. And I didn't have a choice, right? Like I was like very adult, very early. Like I've been kind of this person, like most literally since I was like very young. Mm. And a lot of that comes with trauma, right? Like I also had an absent parent. And so I became adultified mm -hmm. very early and I think part of that too is also I'm a black woman. So people automatically visualize you as an adult. Right. And people just stopped talking to me like I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I stopped talking to them like I was one. Right. And so like I think people legitimately, like my caregivers, including like my teachers and my school counselors, like they just forgot that I was still a child that was being molded and needed care mm. and nurturing. And that things were also rarely off with me because my version of dealing with trauma was just hyper functioning mm -hmm. and being exceptional. I was class president from like fifth grade up until 12th grade, you know, yeah. and I was like the president in HS and I was Virginia State SGA president. Like right. I was like insane. I was like in overdrive. And so I feel like people were just like, wow, she's amazing. You know, she's doing great. And then at home, I was just like battling, having yeah. to like own that same kind of like sure. respect and honoring, not realizing that like children don't really need respect. Like you actually just need love, for you know, but that's what I cared about because that's what the narcissist yeah. in my home cared about. It sounds like you were like in like fight or flight mode. Constantly. Every day. Yeah, constantly. It's very stressful. Yeah, totally. Like I was trying to own my space as one of very, very few Black women 
in a predominantly white school who was, quote unquote, except right, the exceptional black mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. in that space. Right. And then I would come home and have to argue with my parents. It was just constant nitpicking. And I think obviously that funneled into the need to be exceptional outside of the home because sure. I just felt like I was never really living up. Sure. And I didn't have my own expectations, right? Like I didn't care about any of those things. I cared about maybe someday getting some version of affirmation from the mm-hmm. people that I loved and I thought loved me. And then also getting out of that home yeah. and being able to, again, define myself for myself. Yeah, it's what you've done and you've done so very beautifully. How do you recognize trauma responses or like how did you personally recognize that some of this childhood trauma was showing up in your adult life once you had yes. left and you're like doing your own thing? Ancient boyfriends over and over again. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Especially because I'm also like I'm queer and I'm bisexual and I found myself continuously being in relationships with like men that I don't like. You know what I'm saying? I was like, why are we here? Like, we don't like being here. You know what I'm saying? So why are we here? And it took me like I was in a very abusive relationship with somebody who was also like an untreated and oh. unknown narcissist. I'm and, sorry to hear. Yeah, you know, it's just experiences. They, yeah. they get us there, you yeah. know? Thank you for that. And that was kind of the nail in the coffin. I realized that it wasn't about this person. Like it took me a long time and a lot of work and thousands of dollars in therapy. But once I realized like it's actually not about this person, like this person was almost like the final boss at the end Mm -hmm. of the video game of the many times that I kind of abandoned and left myself Mm. in virtue of having somebody else just be next to me. Mm. Like not even see me or like love me appropriately or fulfill my needs, but just simply be next to me. And I was finally able to face like how much I was willing to do to not have to like make it to a supposed finish line, which doesn't exist because I hope to be evolving for forever and not having anybody there, which like is ridiculous because I have so many people that love me. Of course. And um, yeah, and I've built that, right? I built that from love for myself. And I think that that was huge too, is like recognizing the context in which I was able to build really like strong founded relationships and where I wasn't. And I was like, why is it that my romantic relationships aren't really echoing my friendships Mm. or like how I even express business partnerships, right? Like what's going on here? I was just continuously willing to kind of hand off my sense of self to my partners when it came to like what I looked like and what I was capable of. Like I was just looking for another kind of container to put myself in when like I was born to be uncontained. What are the signs of narcissism? You know, if you're dating someone, right? Because not all toxic or bad relationships are narcissistic. And that's really important to know. Yes, because I feel like, I, I, you know... That's a TikTok university. People throw around these terms all over the place. Totally. Yeah. And I want to be super clear about that because the DSM does exist. What's DSM? It's essentially like the governing body that decides that somebody has like a disorder. Okay. Like an actual certified disorder, diagnosable disorder. Okay. So narcissistic personality disorder is a legitimate disorder. And it's what somebody grows from usually also being a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Okay. So like typically these are people that are really, really traumatized mm. and they have a hard time finding a sense of self and then they turn around and then abuse other people. Mm. So like the people that I've been abused by did have narcissistic personality disorder. And that's usually when you want to use the term narcissistic or narcissism. Mm-hmm. And even then you probably want to use like, you know, untreated 
because that is a disorder. And I think that that's where like TikTok University really feels people. It's like you really can't go around just like throwing narcissism on somebody. There also is a spectrum of narcissism as it exists. And there's like a healthy amount of narcissism that people have, right? right, right. Like just a sense of ego, like identity in itself, right? And I think especially to work in the field that I work in and to be in media, you have to have a little bit of ego, at least like just defining yourself as a brand and being able to decide that I'm not that. Sure. Right. Yeah. But I also think people conflate narcissism with vanity. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, totally. And I think there's a healthy amount of vanity. And like, totally. I'm not ashamed to say like, I am vain. Like I right. wouldn't spend this yeah. amount of time and money. We're here talking about beauty. Yeah. yeah. Like, absolutely. I feel like being vain, it's like, like, it's like this very dirty thing. Totally. But like vanity can be life affirming. Absolutely. In a lot of regards. Absolutely. And I think vanity is also just like a facet of ego in the most literal sense, like ego based in identity, right? Like I am, the term I am. And that's really important. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. We were talking about signs. Exactly. So signs of narcissists. There are a few that really, really hit for me. And I think the first is somebody who just legitimately never addresses that you exist in a room. Let's say you're in a conversation with somebody And like somehow the conversation always goes back to them. Mm. And that is chronic. It's not like it's just like every once in a while. And it's not because of neurodivergence. It's like this person legitimately is like, I heard what you said. And you know what? Something that happened to me yesterday. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Or you talk about something so traumatic. Like, I think that that's really huge too. Like when you're calling in somebody to have a vulnerable moment with you and they are incapable of doing it. And then in fact, make it somehow about how you are wrong or like make you feel dirty at the end of that conversation. That is like a huge telltale sign. The other thing is like an inability to admit faults or apologize. Yes. Somebody who always when faced with conflict decides that you are the conflict, that is a narcissist through and through. Like if you mention a crucial issue in a dynamic with somebody and you're saying, hey, I noticed this. I would love to come up with a solution with you. And they say, well, actually, you are always doing X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. when you've asked to create a solution between the two of you. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a sign of narcissism. And then I think just the constant criticism, right? Like if you feel like you're almost like walking on eggshells around somebody and you're living in fear of being who you are because it may suck up too much air in the room for somebody else. And they make that your problem. Like, it's not just a feeling. It's like, Mm. it's affirmed. Regularly, you can point to instances in which you kind of breathing made somebody angry. That's definitely a sign of being in a relationship with a narcissist. Okay. Very helpful to hear you kind of like outline all of those things. I know now you're someone that has really great self-esteem and you give tips for self-esteem. Have you always been able to tap into your own Mm self-esteem? I've had that question asked me so many times and I feel like my answer usually changes. Right now, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Okay. I feel like I've always been able to fake the funk. Okay. So I think that that's why it's hard for me. And again, that's actually also something that I've carried with me by virtue of being regularly in narcissistic dynamics Mm -hmm. and like being a survivor of that is like you become really, really good at pretending. So I feel like there were Many times in my life when I was able to like kind of rise through the image of having self-esteem, I feel like for the majority of my life, I didn't really have it, but I was able to walk through, to kind of move through the motions of self-esteem. Like I was talking about kind of my rituals of like even being young 
and maybe still working through the fact that like I didn't have self-esteem by looking at myself in the mirror and having this like morning ritual and like creating spaces where I felt like I was mimicking that behavior later on like that actually is a gorgeous tool and like it Mm -hmm. continues to be a ritual that I have and that I institute in my daily routine but ultimately like I didn't have the stuff like I wasn't made of the stuff yet and I feel like I knew that because of the dynamics that I had in connectivity. Now I'm looking back and the reason why I know that I didn't have self-esteem, even though at the time I thought I did and everybody else was congratulating me for having it, was that I didn't have secure attachment with people. I didn't feel like people were going to be there if I wasn't that. If I wasn't the world Lizzo, if I wasn't my like microcosmic Lizzo, (laughs) I was not certain that people would still love me. Mm. If I didn't make them feel loved... In the ways that I knew that they needed, I was not certain that people would still be there. And that for me is like a real signal that I probably didn't have the self-esteem that I thought I did in those moments. Interesting that you bring up Lizzo, beloved, but like everyone loves Lizzo, right? Growing up, I didn't have anyone like Lizzo in Mm -hmm. the public eye. And I actually just, as you were saying that now, thought about what does it mean like for people growing up to see her being held up as like this beloved celebrity figure who loves herself and is so unapologetic. Like that just didn't exist Mm -hmm. at all for us. No, not in the slightest. I feel like she's still doing that work for me because my inner child still exists. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like I remember... I saw her at South by Southwest and she literally performed in a room with almost no people that was like as big as this studio. Yeah. Like she was at MSG. And that was huge. Yeah, that was huge. Like I remember having that moment and like crying because I was like, this person is owning who she is. And then I saw her again right before the pandemic, like at the end of 2019. And the entire time, I just remember like holding my hands to my chest and Mm -hmm. just being like, this is so powerful because I didn't even realize that at, what was I, 26 years old? Like 26 that I still needed this moment. So like, I think she's definitely still doing that for people. I wish that she didn't have to. Before we started recording, you and I were talking about how like, I wish that there were more figures in media, like certainly in the influencer space, who were just allowed to be like, not an oracle of like divine wisdom. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me think of like, I feel like around 10 years ago, there was a shirt that was like, I met God, she's black. Okay, yeah, I remember this. I remember being like, yeah, exactly. And I think back now, I'm like, I hate that. I hate that. I want to be a human being. I don't want to be infallible for you to love me. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I want to be at fault. I want to be learning. I want to be growing. I want to be expanding. I want to be even shrinking in front of you and for you to see me as a fully formed human being that's deserving of respect and protection. That is what I want. 100%. So well said. And there are so many white influencers that are just media, not media, (laughs) mediocre sounds judgmental. They are average and their averageness is a feature. It's not seen as a negative. It's just like, oh, she's just like me. Right. But I don't know that Black women are afforded that same like, oh, she's just like average and kind of boring. And like, that's what I like about her. Exactly. Yeah. We can't just vibe. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to vibe. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that is something that I am pretty clear about even in like the way that I create content. You're never going to see anything overly manicured. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very rare that you are going to see me like usually on my best day in an outfit. Like I'm usually not recording it. It's not going to be online because I'm living my life. Like I'm enjoying that moment. Right. And 
that is very intentional for me. Of course. But that's also the content that people want to see. I was watching this. It was a vlog about a girl doing vlogs. And she basically showed her process of like, she sets up her tripod to get the shot of her getting out of bed in the morning. Then she sets up her tripod to show her making her morning smoothie. Then she like brings her tripod outside to show her like parking. I was like, this is what vloggers are doing. And like, I guess like I see all of those thoughts. So like, subconsciously I had to know like, oh, they are setting up a camera to show them like getting out of bed. But I was like, is it's icky now? Well, I don't know if it works for them and then they're making money, but I'm just like, do we need this? Do we need this performance? Right. I don't dislike the fact that somebody is doing it. And it's like, like you said, it's like, girl, get your money. Like, and I even enjoy watching them. Right. But once it's demystified, it feels so, when is the simulation going to break? Right. Also, I'm like, well, how do we do this? in a way that doesn't feel gross, right? Or that doesn't feel like once we actually know what's happening behind the curtain and we find out that it's not the wizard, it's a little man. Yes. You know, like, how are we going to live with that reality? And like, when are we going to start protecting people who just want to show their lives without all of that? Totally. Right? Well, you've worked with some amazing brands. Do you mind sharing some of the brands that you've worked with? Just for context for the listeners. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I mean, Nike, Skims, Adidas, Oh, I didn't even work with Skims. Yeah, yeah. I've been working with Skims since their launch, actually. Okay, I am obsessed with Skims. Yeah. Skin is not for me. I'm not the customer for like many reasons. But if she can do what she did with Skims for skincare, it could be a moment. Now, I don't think it's going to be that moment. I I love Skims. People are mad at me for liking Skims. I'm sure you encounter. I know. People were like, Brooke, I can't. There are so many Black-owned basic tank right. top. And, and I'm like, I'm sure there are. I happened to try these skin right, products exactly. and I really like them. So I will be ordering totally. again. A good product is a good product. I will also say I sleep well knowing I still have not paid for them. And that's, okay. you know what I'm saying? You've, no judgment. You've been paid to wear. Right. Yeah. No judgment against anybody who has because yeah. I don't think that makes it worse. Yeah. Right. But I'm also like, I was gifted the benefit of trying the product, yeah. right, without investment. And like, I can genuinely say it's a great product. And also, again, this is something that I wish was not solely placed on Black women. Like, the second that you have a marginalized identity, you're expected to never accept money from anybody that doesn't have, like, pristine value. And the truth of the matter is that those companies don't have money to pay me. <laughs> and if you want all that the things... That is a fact. Thank right? you. And if you want all of the things that I give you and all of the, like, emotional service that I give you that you don't pay for... Well, you're going to have to take a skims out every once in a while. I'm so sorry. That's the whole thing. Like we live in a capitalist society. And I think a lot of people that are critical of people that take certain brands, it's like people have to pay their bills. Right, exactly. And I want to be able to like show up for the world in the way that I do. Right. right? I need to have something to pour from. Sure. And And it doesn't mean you should work with like unethical companies if their politics don't align. But like you have to, I mean, it's like... Right. And that's what people also don't see. Like... Over the years, I have turned down easily six figures worth of money. Oh, right. Because it's not like you just say yes to everything. Exactly. People just do the things you do. Working with Fenty is iconic. Have you ever met Rihanna? No, which okay. is devastating. And I do think that she and I would just... Really vibe. Really connect. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm sure that will happen soon. Yeah, I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah, I've always been like the type where I'm like, I know that anybody I've ever idolized, I will meet. Yes. Like, I just feel it in my bones, you know? It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Truthfully, like, I feel like there's not a single consumer brand that I haven't worked with over the years. I've been really, like, most skincare brands, I love Milk Makeup, 
they're like a regular, they're like a really beloved client of mine. I love them so much. Tula, L'Oreal. I shot a a commercial for L'Oreal. Oh, that's Yeah, they dyed my hair blonde and I haven't gone back. So that was really transformative for me. Wow. So how did modeling come into the picture? So modeling is actually why I moved to New York. Okay. I always knew it was like a means to an end. For me, I was like, I'm going to become Oprah. That's the point, is to become Oprah. But there are many steps to becoming that person that like I've always wanted to kind of be good at creating anything, yeah. right? Like Oprah's like not just a host and she's not just a journalist. She's everything, right? Like she's truly capable of doing anything. Yeah, And that's what I wanted to become. When I was in Texas, after I graduated college, I kind of had this like, oh God, everything that I thought I was going to be for 22 years, which like I was a nine-year-old with a plan. I don't want to do this. And I actually can't imagine myself still doing it. I couldn't force myself to do it. And I kind of like sat down with myself and I was like, well, what do we want to do? I thought back to like when I was a kid up until high school and up until graduation, when I would come home from like doing my homework and like being class president and doing all of like the astute things, I would just sit and read my Teen Vogue magazine. Mm -hmm. I would fantasize about being on TV and like having my own space and like being a creative. And those were things that trauma never really allowed me to actually fully step into as a fantasy and become a reality. Then I started to kind of just post like online, like I would like post in clothes and like kind of post more about my experience. At the time, body positivity was what we were talking about. And I still fully owned that. And so like I would talk about my experience, like growing up with my body and like diet culture and being a person in black skin and like all of those things, just identity in general. Mm -hmm. Then I was just posting my fits and then I would start to get brand deals. Yeah. I was like, maybe I can do this. Like community was a huge part of that as well. I had never followed people that looked like me. So even that small step was huge. Like I kind of unfollowed any fitness influencer, anybody who was like, kind of like OG Tumblr hot, which I was still doing, which is shocking to me. And I was like, all right, out with the old, in with the new, I'm the new. Yes. And I I, only want to follow people that affirm my identity, where I am right now in my journey. That's exactly right. And I just started to imagine that I could do this job. And then I started to do it with my own means. Like I bought my little Nikon camera and my boyfriend at the time, I would like force him like every Tuesday to go and like shoot like 15 outfits out in the city of Austin. And he was like so supportive. God bless him. And yeah, like I started to kind of gain traction, started to gain a bit of a following. And like, I felt like at that point also, like my idols were kind of becoming my contemporaries. And then I decided to move here. I was like, I feel like I need to be in a space that's like as big as I am. Yes. And like where there's just more opportunity. The same reasons why everybody comes to New York. Yes. So I came here and I had a feeling that modeling would work out. And thankfully it did. I like was not signed with an agency for a very long time. I moved here in like January of that year. And I think like in March I had my first job and it was an editorial shoot with Man Repeller. Oh, wow. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Exactly. With Man Repeller and it was like a swimsuit shoot. And it was cool. like really iconic because there were so many bodies and there was Hal Batty. Was oh my gosh. Shoot. Wow. That's how she and I met. That's amazing. Yeah. You really, like really Batty. sick. Yeah. That was like both of our first shoot. Oh, yeah, it, cool. was, it was such a, a special moment to have, especially now looking back. Yeah. And like that was kind of it. It just oh, kind wow. of took off. Yeah. I did not sign with an agency until I was with Wilhelmina in 2019 for like a very short stint. So I've also always had control of my own image, which... That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's really important. Now, you've been playing in makeup since you were young. 
but the brows are giving this blue liner. Thank you so much. Dewy, glossy. Thank you. Give us the makeup rundown. Like what are your favorite makeup products? Yeah. So I have been kind of like re-establishing my identity when it comes to makeup because I was really, really into the like full, like matte beat, like extreme contour, really, really severe brow of like 2015 blogger era. I was so into that. And that's kind of how I built up my makeup set. None of those things really work with like the glowy, dewy vibe these days. (laughs) So like now I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Right now, I'm really, really loving the Milk Hydro Grip. That's a great primer. Obsessed with that. I really, really, I like never really was sold by primers until I tried that one. It is good. And I'm like a little bit of a primer denier, but I have to say it's a good product. It is. Because I feel like actually I will put it on even without makeup. Yeah. And I love what it looks like and I love what it feels like. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. I also love any of the milk mascaras. I love the Kush mascara. I'm also really like OG L'Oreal Voluminous Girl. Ooh, love that. Yeah, I love the applicator. I think it's stunning. I'm also gifted with like pretty nice eyelashes. Yeah, you have gorgeous eyelashes. Thank you so much. You even have like the long bottom lashes, which is like the dream. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And then as far as concealer, I'm a NARS Radiant Creamy Girl. Okay, we love it. Now, have you tried the Kosas? concealer. No, I haven't, but I've heard amazing things. I'm obsessed. And I was NARS Creamy Radiant all day. Yes. And I switched to the Kosas Revealer Concealer. I'll never go back. Okay. You know what? I'm going to take you up on that. Try because it. I have been kind of like, especially during the summer months, like NARS Radiant is gorgeous. It still gives glow. But I feel like like when I'm trying to do something a little bit more matte, maybe like for dinner or like an yeah. event, it doesn't give, give. The, the Kosas isn't more matte, but right. it's just like more payoff. Just try it. Yeah, I and will. And we'll chat. We'll yeah. chat. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll test her out. And then I really love all Charlotte Tilbury. Like I love the like glass skin of the little glow sticks. Okay. And I use like the blush and the highlighter. I've been using it since 2019. And some bitch on TikTok put everybody on and now I cannot find it anywhere. And I literally went to London two weeks ago and went to the Charlotte Tilbury store to stock up on it because it's the only place I'm able to find it. Now, speaking of TikTok making things blow up, how do you feel about gatekeeping? I feel terrible about it. It doesn't make any sense. If you're a bad bitch, you'll be a bad bitch using anything. Love it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I understand, like I never gatekept that product, so I can't actually be mad that somebody else didn't gatekeep it, but it is hard when you love something and you can't get a hold of it. That's tough news. But you know, where there's a will, there's a way, (laughs) you know? What about your brows? You have gorgeous brows. Thank you. I am using Benefit Brow, like the dual end that has like the little spoolie and the... Nice. I've been a Benefit Brow girl for a very long time. Morphe also has a pencil that's like $8. Oh, wow. That I'll use for a little fill-in. And then I'm also using the Milk Brow Gel. Okay. I'm using a Natasha Denona Sunset Glow Palette. I've been using that since 2018. Okay. I love it. Palettes? I feel like I've had some palettes. I'm sure they expire at some point. I've had some palettes for like four years. Yeah, I know. Which is like truly not okay. I know it's not okay. (laughs) But until I develop a flesh eating disorder, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Yeah, like are we supposed to just throw out our palettes? But I also don't like palettes because I'm like, I'm only using two colors and there's 16 here. Right, exactly. I need us to normalize the single shadow product. I love single shadow. I feel like almost everything I buy now usually is singular. Like I think the Natasha Denona palette is the only palette that I'm actively using. It only has four things in it. Okay. It has like a creamy blush, a creamy highlighter, and then like like two powder, like compact powder highlighters in it. And I just, again, it's like very Charlotte Tilbury. It's just super, super glowy. And I love that. What are your skincare faves? 
Sunday Riley good jeans. Okay, people it's, love this. Yeah, yeah, that's huge for me. What does the Sunday Riley good jeans do for you? I feel like it removes like grit. Like whenever I'm having like a gritty texture, yeah. which like I truthfully rarely have. I'm really, really blessed, like pretty nice skin. Yeah, I'm just going to say that because I feel like it's not fair to talk about skincare products when you have great skin. Well, I think it's fair because there's maintenance and upkeep, but of course, ultimately genetics plays a huge part. Totally. I feel like it's wrong to not address it. 100%. The elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have really nice skin naturally. Super grateful for that. I love, and this is a pro tip that I feel like nobody ever talks about who is in this industry and regularly has their makeup done and their skincare done by makeup artists. Every single makeup artist in editorial the number one moisturizer that they have in their kit is Waleda Skin Food, and it is $10. Yes. I just don't know why nobody talks about it because it's a perfect moisturizer. I talk about Waleda Skin Food all the time on this yes, podcast. Exactly. You know, a lot of people don't like it because of the fragrance. I love the fragrance. I know. I think it's gorgeous. I know people are sensitive to that, people so I are, get it. People like freak out about fragrance and skincare. Yeah, totally. And I understand that. I think the moisturizer is just so stunning. Yeah. And like, I have oily skin, but I found that the heavier the moisturizer I have, actually the less oil. That my skin produces. Because your skin's not like trying to compensate. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's what creates oil is actually having dry skin. Yes. Or unmoisturized skin. So yeah, Waleda Skin Food, I love. I use that regularly. I also use the Tula 24-hour day and night cream. That's really stunning. Do you do any like chemical exfoliating, physical exfoliating? No, not really. Okay. Not really. You're just doing like cleanse, moisturizer, sunscreen. Yeah, exactly. I try to keep it simple. I also do have a membership to Skin Laundry. I get facials relatively often. I get laser facials. And then I also go to Glow Bar. Okay. Talk to me about laser facials. Yeah. I think that it's really, really helpful if you're somebody who is susceptible to hyperpigmentation. Yes. It's the only thing that'll get rid of it. Oh, so sorry. I also use the Ole Enriksen Dark Spot Toner. Okay. And that also works for hyperpigmentation. Okay. I love that. I had a grease scar that I got from making short rib. (laughs) <laughs> and and that was devastating for me. I was like, my face, it's the moneymaker. I had a very, very vain moment that I felt super a la Kim Kardashian losing her ring in the yeah. ocean. That's what I was saying before about it not being vain because if you make your money from being a model and you yeah. make your money from your face exactly, and that face gets damaged, then the, again, your economic power is linked to your physical appearance, which I always right. tend to talk about our friend Kim K, who I'm by no means a Kim K fan or apologist. No. But her obsession with her physical appearance, I think, is because that is where her economic power lives. Exactly. 100%. That's that's how she makes money. So, like, we, of course, she's obsessed with like losing 16 pounds. And of course, she's obsessed with looking young and all this stuff. Right. Because that's how she feeds her family. Right. And we have to decide to discount that because it's not a part of our reality. Right. And that's all you have to do. We don't need to have think pieces about somebody being obsessed with their appearance when that is. I'm talking history books is how she's going to go down. Of course, that's her experience in her life. But that's probably not how you as an average person make right. millions and millions of dollars. That's exactly right. right. And so I say, well, that's not my business. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like anything she says, it's not my business right. for the most part, right. unless she's reaching out to me to pay me some money, in which case, love that. That's yes. most literally my business. Yes. Um. No, you're so right. But yeah, I had um, a mark on my face and it was almost completely reduced by doing laser facials. What kind of laser are they using? Do you know? Truly, truly have no idea. Okay. Oh, well, they call it like some sort of like micro fractional. Okay. I literally don't know what that means. Okay. Does it I hurt? Like, so they have two and the classic does not hurt. Okay. The fractional does. They like make micro holes in your skin so that it regenerates. 
And it feels like a really bad sunburn, which I rarely experience anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, chalk it up to the game. But yeah, for like 24 hours, you can't put on any makeup. And it kind of has like a healing process and you just do like very, like nothing active on Mm. your skin. Just very, very light moisturizer. Interesting. But yeah, those I've, I've actually seen a return on. So I continue to invest in them. I love that. As a beauty consumer and someone who loves beauty products, is there anything that you want to see more of in the beauty space? Oh, to what you were saying, when it comes to like eye makeup, like I love the revival, like graphic liners. Yes. And like super exciting stuff. I would love to see like kind of throwback like 90s makeup when everything was a little bit more matte and like there was more opportunity to do that. Like I feel like right now, like people are really like not so excited about any sort of eye situation. And it's because a lot of them are palettes, A, and it's like, I'm not going to use the majority of this. We're trying to reduce waste in that way. And also like everything for the sake of like getting the wow on socials is just straight bronze glow. And I feel like I've seen the same gold color over and over and over again. So I feel like play with like matte color, I would love to see. You know what I'm saying? Like in the 80s when like everything was like super like matte blue, like a matte purple. Like I would love to see that. Yeah. And I think that looks great on us. Yes. Matte blue is actually like such a vibe. And you're right. I haven't like really seen that. Yeah, exactly. I kind of want to see a revival of like that playfulness in shadows that's not just straight graphic liner. Yes. Are there black owned beauty brands that you really love that you're excited about? I feel like all the classics I really love. Like I love Beauty Bakery. I always use her stuff. Okay. I have um, used her stuff actually. Yeah. Love that. Of course, I love Fenty. I'm trying to what else I regularly use. I like don't use a ton of makeup anymore anyway. Yeah. Also, you're probably getting sent so much stuff that you just like... Use whatever I'm sent. That's exactly right. Stuff. Yeah. There is a new makeup brand that's black owned that's inside of Sephora that's next to Danessa Myricks, who's amazing. Danessa, Danessa Myricks is, is amazing. An OG, right? And of is course, it, Pat yeah. McGrath. I, I can't... Pat, the mother, the icon. Yeah, that's exactly everything. right. Yeah. Like, I love all... Pretty much all of her palettes I actually do own because each of them can be used singularly. Yes. Like, the palette is not intended to be used. 100%. Yeah. Is there a beauty mistake that you've made in your life that looking back on, you're like, I wish I never did this? Yes. For years, I would never use blush. Blush is very new for me. I could not stand blush. And I feel like blush is just the bag. It just makes you look so cute and so youthful and so vibrant. I did not use it. I was just straight, like, hard, hard (laughs) cheekbone and then highlighter. And that was it. And there was zero blend to be seen. Wow. I was pretty good at it. Yeah. But when I look back at it, I'm like, I was good in the context of how bad makeup was at the time. Yeah, that we really went through like a very harsh, severe face moment. Yeah, totally. There, totally. Which I feel like we've come out of, thank God. Absolutely. And I think also just overcompensating for oily skin with matte products was a huge mistake for me because now I'm like, I love how youthful I look on a daily basis, you know? Yes, yeah. Like I look at myself, I was like in the car on the way over here and like caught a glimpse of myself in the rearview mirror and I was like, oh, she's cute. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What's your hair journey been like? I feel like the natural hair movement So interesting to see the way it's being dissected now online and a lot of people are like opting out. Right. Lots of conversation. To our earlier discussion about spending time with yourself in the mirror and time getting ready, what I love about the natural hair movement and my natural hair experience is like the time I had to spend learning my hair. Yes. Untangling, detangling, wash day, right? Like that's like a good four hours with your hair. But I also understand why a lot of people are like, I am not doing this. Right. It's too much time. How do you feel? I feel exactly that way. 
I cannot commit that much time to anything about what I look like. <laughs> like I feel the way about clothes, feel the way about makeup. Like I cannot like. Okay, but not wanting to commit time to your hair as a black woman is complicated because it is. braids, you're still sitting there for like, you know, yes. five hours. You make up for it in the daily. That's exactly But there's it. no shortcuts as a black woman. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. That must be stated. 100%. Yeah. Like there's always a slight commitment. And it's like, I also process my hair. I am usually blonde when my hair's out. So like that is obviously a commitment Huge. to personal expression that yeah. is major and costs a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah. But yeah, I think that like because my hair is blonde, I certainly have to like do a cute mask here and there. But like I will say I also have a hair texture that doesn't require as much maintenance as right. other hair textures as far as just like keeping it healthy, not like remove vanity entirely, just keeping it healthy. It's like much easier for me to do that. But yeah, I like can't do a full wash day. Like I will wash it. I will like use a scalp cleanser like and put in a deep conditioner and like put in some protein. And like, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. And like until I see breakage, like something severe and like go to my hairstylist and say, hey, what's going on? I'm not going to accommodate further. That's why I'm like in braids all yeah, the time. me too. I'm like throw some braids in. Yes, I love a braid. And also I feel like there is such an identity component, right? Like I fully understand given the trauma of having black hair before it was acceptable to be black and beautiful at the same time and for people to really own that in whatever way we want. And also having exposure to information about how people wear their hair, right? Like before we had that, I understand right. the trauma and that kind of still sitting with any Black woman and the like you are entitled to the complicated relationship with your hair, whatever that looks like. So I fully understand when people are like, I can't do natural hair. I'm going to be in weave for forever. And I'm like, period, bit Like <laughs> obsessed with that. It's giving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have no notes. No notes for me. But yeah, I think like I just truly, truly want to get to a place where I don't have to think that much about what I look like yes. beyond what I enjoy doing, yes. right? And that's yes. the caveat. It's like, I want to enjoy doing it. So like, if I'm in a phase where I just don't want to have to do my hair and particularly during the summer, it's braids all day. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Final question. Mm -hmm. When do you feel you're most beautiful? I feel most beautiful when I am in any situation in which I'm connecting and like doing something that I have not done before and not really thinking mm -hmm. about beauty at all. But I know that I feel beautiful. I love to travel and I feel really beautiful when I'm traveling, when I'm kind of just like fresh faced and just popped on whatever was most comfortable and made most sense for that day. That makes me feel really beautiful. I love when I'm around my friends, like being around my friends makes me feel so beautiful because they're such like an echo to who I am inside and out and like such a mirror for all the best parts of me. And also they built those parts of me. Yeah. So I love being around my friends. I feel really beautiful there. And like, I think almost literally as well, like I'm not just talking about internally, like I feel beautiful being yeah. around my friends. Yeah. You know, that's the community you've built. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. And I'm like, they are stunnerina. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's the thing too. I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that I'm around models every day. You guys look insane. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> and I think I feel really beautiful when I am like creating a really sensual experience in my own home. Like I'm definitely a homebody. And I love the classic get in the bathtub, light a candle, read a book, slug everything out. You know what I'm saying? Put my moisturizer on, like feel super fresh. Like that feels really, really beautiful to me. Yes. Oh, that's like such a moment. Again, totally. back to that time alone in the bathroom. It's ritual. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm very witchy. Like, I'm ritualistic in general. So, yeah, I think that, like, intention means everything to me. And, like, creating safe space where I feel good is beauty to me. Like, they're one in the same, which is why, like, every question you've asked me, I've been, like, low maintenance. Yeah. Because if it doesn't feel good to me or if I'm creating a sense of discomfort, it's not worth the payoff. Like, it's never worth the payoff for me. I just want to feel comfortable and safe. I love that. I love that. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for having me. You're such a doll. Sharing so much and sharing so generously. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I mean, like I just said, I feel gorgeous for my friends and I'm like being next to you. I'm like, wow, we're giving. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, we are. Course. Thank you so much. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right. That was my conversation with Kendra. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, there's one thing that she said in the interview that really stood out to me around like beauty looks and makeup looks where she was saying she's like sick of the like all over bronzed glowy look, which is like, to be honest, my signature, my go-to. But she was like, I want to see like a matte blue eye. And like, I was like, okay, I like that energy. So actually on my birthday night, I did like a pink matte eye. Like I used a about face pink eye paint. And I did like a pink matte eye that I think looks really good. I'm going to post a picture on Naked Beauty Planet so you all can see it. I'm trying to do different things, definitely stepping out of my comfort zone more. Beauty is so much fun. Sometimes I forget how fun it is. And then I do like a bold makeup look and I remember. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. I will be back next week and enjoy these last moments of summer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.